Welcome to the June episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Josh. And my name is Max. And today we have in our studio, Abby Blackwell. What's up, Abby? Hello. Abby is a bass player of the upright and sideways varieties. (laughs) And uh, she plays jazz and classical music. And what else do you play? You play lots of stuff, right? Uh, I play in rock bands. Um, Play in... I play with singer-songwriters around town. So, well, with Tomo Nakayama, I guess he's the only one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums it up. Pretty cool. Cool. And so from the bio on your website, which we have both <clears throat> stocked at this point. Good. Uh, you've got, you graduated in 2013 from yes. UW, is that right? Yes. In string performance. Yes. And that's a classical degree, is that right? Yes. Cool. Let's get to that more <clears throat> later. And then uh, later on... Or now you're doing, still at UW, uh, Masters in Jazz Performance. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, I took a break, but I'm back. Cool. Okay. Yeah, just now Max was asking if uh, me and Abby had overlapped at UW. When did you start at UW? 2009, I guess. I stopped being in the music department at UW in two, at 2008. So oh, we man. just missed each other. Did you know Ray Larson? I did know Ray Larson. <laughs> then at school? Okay, yes, cool. that's, we were entering freshmen together, and that's... Gotcha. Uh, how we know each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ray is a trumpet player that we just interviewed. Like two those who don't months know. ago? Yeah, two months ago, I think. Or Three? Was, yeah, two, two, I think, right? I don't know. It was recent. Anyway, recently. <laughs> Ray's great. So, how did you get started in music? Was bass your first instrument? Oh, boy. <clears throat> it's Well, I was forced to play uh, piano as a child, as many are. Um, yep. And, you know, I didn't really like it. But looking back, especially now I'm teaching and I have a 10-year-old student, um, and, you know, what? how do you get kids, like children, to practice? Mm-hmm. And I remember that my piano teacher would give me these tiny little um, glass figurines mm. that were, like, amazing. They were probably, like, 50 cents to buy, but they were, I don't know, they were my... the the reason that I practiced most of the time because then she would give them to me if I like checked all the boxes and I was able to play X and Y. So I only got stickers. I'll say I kept these figurines for a while and they were really awesome. Do you still have them? Uh, no, no, I wish they might be more valuable than the beanie babies I used to have. (laughs) But, um, but for this, this past week with my, uh, with my student, I was making gummies for a school thing. Um, and, uh, I, I told her that I would bring her a gummy if she practiced three times this week and then Ooh. played, uh, you know, this thing the f- perfectly the first time. And she did it. So wow. nice. I'll say that a little bribery is good when you're starting out. Anyway, okay. So that it was sounds like you, you're teaching a fair amount in addition to being bassist. Uh, I, I guess I have five, five whole students. Okay. So I guess I don't know how many qualifies as full-time teaching but ever not a whole student i'm really worried (laughs) (laughs) a good point um weekly students got it cool so i noticed on your website there was something called the srjo mentors program or something yeah um uh it's a jazz scholars program and it's so it's like funded through the srjo and it's partnered with the seattle youth symphony oh cool and um and that funds some uh teachers like neil welch um Mm -hmm. saxophonist um and Samantha Boschak, whatever other people in the scene, um, uh, teachers of jazz, and they we go into um, lower funded um, schools, like cool. in the southeast and southwest areas of Seattle. And so, 
um, this the past couple of years I've been going to uh, high school and middle school in um, West Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that where Neil also teaches? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> is that Chief Self? Chief Self and, and cool. Denny Middle School. Yeah. I heard uh, the combo that Neil was doing something with at yeah. a, it was actually an SRJO event. Oh, Those yeah. Those who don't know, SRJO is Seattle Repertory Jazz Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a big band that is very active around Seattle. Yeah, they sounded good. Yeah, they're... That's cool. They're they're doing well. That's cool. Makes me happy. Let's back it up a little bit. Oh, right, bit. yeah. Okay, so you started out on piano. All about me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, piano, and then, you know, in, like, elementary school, I wanted to play flute, and so I started playing flute in fourth grade, and then when I get to sixth grade, I'm in band, but then at the beginning of the year, the band teacher was like, so who wants to play electric bass in the jazz band after school? And I was like, uh, me, obviously. Because I think, I think I guess at that point I was playing some guitar too, mm-hmm. because my dad plays guitar. And so, you know, it's learning like Stairway to Heaven and stuff like that. It's no big deal. Um, and so I was like, my dad could teach me how to play electric bass. And so he kind of did. And then I also took lessons and... Mm-hmm. That was that was jazz, but then you had to be in the orchestra in high school to be in the jazz band, and I wanted mm. to still be in the jazz band. But then I started really liking orchestra, and I did both all the way through high school. And then I started studying with Barry Lieberman, who teaches um, double bass at UW. Mm-hmm. And so I went to UW, keep studying with him. You studied with him before you got to UW as well? Yeah, okay. yeah. Wow. Um, and, and then I wanted to like keep playing in jazz so i started in the jazz band at u-dub mm-hmm. but then that quarter they were playing uh the music of andrew d'angelo mm-hmm. y- y- yeah and so it, i was like going in thinking it was going to be like big band music and then it was like andrew d'angelo just like insanity and so then that's kind of how i started into like this avant-garde For listeners that don't know who angelo andrew yeah. d'angelo is can you describe uh it's it's like avant-garde in your face um well, I mean, he has, like, very beautiful, touching music, too. But a lot of it's, just, like, really intense. Um, yeah. Improvisation-based. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Cool. Yes. From the, from the jazz idiom, but uh, more on the, the new side side of nice. jazz, I guess. So do you spend more time on upright versus electric these days or about equal? Uh, definitely more on upright, um, especially since... Uh, so I'm finishing up the master program at UW, which is a two-year program um, mm-hmm. in jazz. Cool. And so a, a lot of that is... Well, some of that, I guess, is standards playing. Um, so that is definitely playing upright. And then um, and then I've been writing a lot of my own music, and I'm def- just hearing more upright bass on that. Um, I don't play uh, electric bass too much in, in school just outside of school, I think, at this point. Cool. So would you say, having studied both jazz and classical at this point, uh, what what are the pros and cons of uh, both of those, I guess? And what what, are, what do you use more of nowadays? Mm. Um, I'm, I guess I'm definitely, definitely doing more jazz uh, at this point, but I think that um, how I practice music and approach um, st- studying it, I guess, it comes from a classical viewpoint. So, you know, like a lot of repetition and reading of music. I get, you know, that's that's kind of my my background is reading of music and it's less of like the reading of, you know, chords or whatever. I mean, I'm comfortable with it, but it's it's I'm better at sight reading stuff. Mm. Um so 
I think that that analysis part of it is really beneficial from classical music, but the the improvisational parts and like the actual, um, uh, I guess, kind of connecting with the music a little bit more um, is is emphasized more in in jazz or in the avant-garde kind of more improvisational music that um, I'm studying and playing more often. And obviously, you know, good classical musicians are going to, you know, connect with the music and study it and uh, be as improvisational as they can be um, with the written music. That's what brings that good classical music to life um, Mm -hmm. or that's what makes it good. But um, it's easy to just kind of play the notes and not be not making music when, when it comes to classical music, you know. Um, Interesting. At least, you know, at the, you know, intermediate introductory or, you know, even just like a collegiate level. Yeah. If unless you're like really feeling it, then it's just kind of like mediocre. Right. I mean, also the same thing. You can say that for jazz, too. It's like people can just sure. play their licks and get out. But, you know, <laughs> and that's like, well, I really don't want to listen to this. <laughs> um, that's very true. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think that you can make anything with anything and it's just a matter of the headspace that you're in i think yeah definitely so So i'm curious to learn about how um i guess you said you're you feel more comfortable or your your background is stronger with classical music and Mm -hmm. and insight reading and that kind of thing um how was uh breaking into improvisation i guess you did do some of that in high school is that right yeah but as a bass player it's it really isn't um well i didn't take jazz bass lessons i I, I like i played in the combo i played a lot of jazz but i mm-hmm. never like took lessons and i never really was like taught how to practice jazz you sure, know yeah. granted you know there's like many different ways of learning jazz and blah blah, blah. but um so i was you know i could like walk and I could, you know, hear stuff, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like taking solos left sure. and right because it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then so, you know, going into um, UW, then getting involved in the um, more free improvisation thing that was starting up there with Kung Vu, uh, trumpet player and um, uh, jazz head of the jazz department right now at UW. Um, that that was that was really really scary honestly it's like it's so easy to hide behind the notes in classical music and like you know the role as a bass player for me personally anyway um in jazz or you know like a straight ahead jazz so when it's like all the rules are that i've become accustomed to are taken away and it's like oh shit you know what am i what am i supposed to do like what can i do what are people expecting of me and you know figuring all that stuff out but. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because I um I came from a classical background as well. I started out on a classical piano and mm-hmm. didn't start um improvising until maybe mid high school. And yeah, I had a similar experience. Although it was probably um I started out playing um standards and that kind of thing, uh, but it was also a very terrifying thing to have all the the rules or the notes taken away from me like I, right. like you have to make up your own melody and yeah. on the spot um and yeah there was a bit of a journey yeah getting into that um how did you uh i've i played a bunch of gigs with you and you seem to be very comfortable when you take solos and improvising and how did you feel how did you get to feel more comfortable doing that 
Um, well, thanks. I I will say that even now it's like unless I practice a tune, I really don't feel good about it. Um or I just feel like really um shaky and then I don't take the I don't hear, you know, I don't like listen to myself as I'm playing. I'm just like, well, shit, this is this is a a good note. This is a good note. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um uh but um what was the question? How did you get to feel oh, more comfortable? <laughs> um I think playing with people, like doing those gigs with you and Ray, you know, mm-hmm. like having that smaller group where, you know, we were able to like work on kind of it was like a large-ish group of songs, but, you know, get more comfortable with those and, like, start to build a vocabulary. Um, but, like, things like that. And yeah. I've done that with other kinds of people. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, it's you know, you can practice all you want in the practice room by yourself and, like, right. play all the scales and the blotty blottas. But, like, that doesn't mean anything when, you know, stuff is happening behind you. Right, um, definitely. I mean, okay, whatever. It means things, but it doesn't mean... It's <laughs> yeah, not, but it's a different kind of situation, yeah. for sure. Yeah, when um, you're reacting to other musicians yeah. as opposed to uh, being alone in a room. Yeah, and that's that's what's interesting to me. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, slowly figuring that out. Like, you know, I don't need to play, like, a thousand notes a minute because that's not what sounds good to me musically. Right. Um, and so finding the... Yeah, what, what, is, what is important musically. And that, that comes from playing with people. And, yeah, and the different situations. Cool. So I found that there, there are oftentimes a lot of um, similarities between compositions and solos. Um, but especially given your, your background, where do you tend to find your inspiration, whether you're composing or taking solos? Mm, so when you mean composing, like writing um, a piece or like composing in uh, improvisational both, way maybe? is there a difference <clears throat> i mean you know one's going down on paper and will be played over and over again theoretically and one is just sh- should be good but, <laughs> but <laughs> might not hear it again but in terms of like where the inspiration is coming from i mean i suppose it can come from all over the place yeah. but um uh, i don't know do you have any like recurring things you're trying to express whether you're composing on paper or something in the moment or hmm I mean, certain people have have tendencies to sound a certain way, even if their songs are about different things. Do you have anything that you would say maybe is like a potentially defining characteristic of of what you're trying to work towards hmm. as an artist? Well, I feel like um, I feel like I'm uh, creating, or I feel like I'm working towards a sound with the music that I'm writing and and I'm playing. Um, with uh evan woodle and uh ronan delau and we're playing in um as a group now um and so i feel like in the compositions that i'm writing for that group it's um i guess i guess i just approach them the same way but uh i don't have like necessarily melodic ideas or you know harmonic progressions or anything that i like lean on um i feel like i'm kind of uh come up with stuff as whatever as it comes um but i i do think that there is kind of um 
a, a, a vibe, <laughs> for lack of a better word, yeah, um, weird. on <laughs> uh, <laughs> for for the songs. You know, like they're kind of like a similar. Um, uh, well, there a lot of them are a similar tempo, for better or worse, um, and d- like the energy that we're kind of bringing to them, and yeah, I don't really know how to how to really describe it in words. Um, That's fine. Maybe people yeah. just need to listen to it. Perhaps, perhaps. So yeah, you sent us a song which is really cool, and I was actually going to ask who was playing on that, and I'm now fairly certain it was Evan Whittle and Ronan Delisle. Yes, yes, yes. Was that um, drums and drums guitar. And, yeah, drums and guitar respectfully. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Respectively? Respectively. But also but respectfully. Also respectfully. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know how respectfully they were playing. <laughs> cool. Uh, so this tune is called Ray. Is that right? Well, the band is Ray and also my middle name and also ended up being the first letters of all of our names. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. But... I just, you know, narcissistically called it my middle name. Nice. But um but it's just one. I mean, I I'm not like wordy person and so uh I don't know if you guys have any name ideas. I have like 20 songs that don't have names. So uh <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh give this unnamed as of yet track a listen. Here we go.
Wow, that was awesome. Um, so tell me about that song. Um, that song, uh, what to say, what to say. Does it have a name? Like what's, uh, is this coming, is this on an album that's going to be coming out? Is it, what, what's the goal here? What, yeah, tell me all about it. So this, this recording, um, we, we did with, uh, Sheridan Riley and she's working on, uh, recording more. And but she's just kind of starting. She's a drummer. She's amazing. So she was doing her. the engineering. Yes, oh, and cool. um, and so she's you know kind of like trying to get some practice in. So you know this is kind of more like a demo situation. Um, and uh, so we we recorded I don't know like eight songs or something, and most of them either we weren't like looking back, you know, wasn't like a hundred percent as perfect of a take as we thought it was, or, you know, the sound was like a little weird. Um, so I do want to record like a full album this summer, you know, schedules allowing, of course, cause everyone's like busy and stuff. Um, but I actually just went out to, um, this studio called the way out that, hmm. um, is uh, a friend it. of mine, um, Trevor Spencer and Jeff Traeger, they built out, a um, a barn in Woodenville and it's, Whoa. it's amazing. That's um, cool. Yeah. Uh, I've, okay. I've never like recorded anything there, but I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it sounds great. Um, but, uh, anyway, that's, that's my dream for this summer anyway. Nice. Um, hopefully it all pans out. Everyone's hopefully going to be free on the same weekend and it's going to be great. Um, so that, yeah, that's, so that, that was the song, uh, with Sheridan. And I think this was actually like one of the first things that I wrote, um, for, for this kind of group, um, yeah, ensemble. Uh, and this past year I've been taking lessons with, uh, Ted poor every other, uh, week. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been bringing in songs, uh, and Ronan comes in and rehearses them with us. And cool. just, you know, Ted just Poor's, like, uh, the yes. drum professor at UW, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Ronan's the guitarist that we just heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Ted's like the killingest drummer maybe ever. I don't really know. It's just like my personal opinion. Um, but you know, he's like a really great musician and has great, um, feedback and insight, um, on, you know, just like how to approach a song and like length and, you know, how to improvise and, uh, just, and that's been really helpful for figuring out like what I want out of these songs. Uh, cool. but anyway, so this is the melody is kind of more like a counterpoint thing. Um, Whereas a lot of the other stuff um, that I've done more recently is kind of like a, you know, melody and chords kind of. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I still it, like the song, so I don't know. Does it have a name? Uh, just one for right now. One. Oh, right. one. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the drum sounds. And I oh, know cool. Evan likes to play the sounds. Did mm -hmm. you have any uh, artistic sway over how that went? Or was that just kind of... Evan deciding what sounds to use or no yeah Evan Evan is um a master of sounds as you, yeah as you say and so I I think I, I tell him if I don't like things we, we gotcha. all we all you know I'm not like a you know slave right. driver or whatever um but he's he's definitely in charge of his own his own stuff and I think I remember him having a bunch of other oh know, yeah janglers set up yep very cool, cool. So I'm really curious um, about these compositions. How do you bring them to the group? Do you make charts for them or like how detailed are they? Or do you, like, mm -hmm. yeah, like um, Max was saying, 
um, you've described how um, Evan interacts with the mm-hmm. piece, but how does Ronan interact with it and what kinds of directions do you give them? Yeah. Uh, so these lessons with Ted have been really um, helpful for kind of like starting to work through those kinds of things. Sure. Cause generally with those, I'll just like, you go, okay, here's this, you know, I have, I have chords and melody and I, it, they're always written out. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's otherwise I forget everything. Um, and then, you know, we'll go from there. And um, so the, the kind of tricky thing about this group um, is that it, it's just three of us and Ronan plays guitar. And so he has to try and find a way to play the melody and maybe the harmony as well. Right. Um, if, you know, if it works out and he generally does and it always sounds great. Um, so that's that's the kind of the rehearsing part it's like all of the information is there and then um we work on like shaping the melody um and like shaping the improvisation and i don't know for like half of it half of the songs there there aren't any chords for the improvisation or Mm. we go away from that or something something like that um or it's just free um so, you know, figuring out like what we want and then especially like this song and a, and a couple other songs, uh, Evan and I will kind of um, go towards the same groove um, at the beginning of every improvisation and then, you know, just goes from there. So it's it's very, um, uh, we work with each other. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. It's, I have some ideas, but I don't have all of the ideas, that's for sure. <laughs> That's cool. Um, which is why I feel really lucky to play with them because they're yeah really good musicians. Yeah, they're definitely. Not, not just good players. Have you been uh, playing with this group for a long time? Uh, no, only maybe a couple months or something. Cool. Yeah, uh, I think that's really cool that you've developed that rapport in such a short amount of time. Are those two also studying at UW right now? Ronan is. He is in his first year or finishing his first year. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a two-year program, so there's another one left. And Evan is not. He did his undergrad with with me. We graduated at the same time um, at UW, but he's just living the gig life. Cool. cool. Yeah. So well, I know you've got, um, let's see, uh, a master's recital coming up to mm-hmm. as it, it's like kind of a capstone recital for for mm-hmm. the program, right? Yeah. Is this the group that you're going to be bringing? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, we're just going to be playing a bunch of my music. Um, and, uh, our friend Levi Gillis is going to play a a set of, of his music as well. Um, and he's a great sax player. Yeah, he's a great sax player, but he's going to be playing, uh, his songs. So guitar and singing. Oh, wow. So, you know, we don't need too much, uh, jazz, quote unquote jazz in one night. So (laughs) we're going to kind of even it out a little bit. Cool. Nice to have a mix. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Do you, well, I mean, are there uh, any other opportunities to hear you play, whether it's your own stuff or any anyone else's music coming up anytime soon that you're excited about? Yes. Yes. Um, let me think. I'm playing... Uh, Probably should have asked you this before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have to get my calendar out. Um, I'm pretty sure on June 14th, uh, I'm playing a solo set at Hollowworth Radio. And, um, in the past that has been me playing upright Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, it's, it's like fairly droney, um, 
improvisational using like double stops so that's like playing two notes at once mm-hmm. Ooh. um <laughs> and then ray the band is playing not ray larson um or ray my middle name uh ray the band is playing uh again in june i want to say like june i don't know 11th or 14th or something like that at um central saloon with grex a band from los angeles cool I'm pretty sure it's los angeles is that or oakland i'm gonna mix it up um but uh whatever it'll be great isn't that the oldest bar in seattle or one of them this is they like to say that i don't know i think there are a couple bars that like to say that they, but I yes. think central saloon is definitely one of them yeah and the j&m whatever yep. the uh, one next door yeah, uh, yeah yeah right also, next door uh, Jules May Saloon in Georgetown as well. Mm, I don't know that one. I'm sure they're all the oldest one. Maybe they were built on the same day. Maybe they opened on the same they day. They were probably built on the same day. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Crazier things happen. Cool. Well, uh, I'm sure we can find, or listeners can find details of these gigs um, on your website, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is... I have a calendar. Uh, AbigailBlackwell.com and then whatever the slash maybe calendar but eh, just go just go to abigailblackwell.com cool um and then some really cool stuff there like art for sale as well oh yeah oh yeah you've done some been doing some visual art as well i have yes that's cool it's is that a new thing or you've been doing that for a while uh i guess i started about a year ago i guess cool um but i've been doing more watercolor recently and that's been really fun yeah nice yeah i've been really enjoying seeing the uh hand done watercolor posters for gigs that you post on Instagram. It's pretty <laughs> rad. Yes. Yeah. Hire me to make your poster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there, uh, besides doing those posters, have you explored interaction between music and, and the visual arts that you're doing? Not, not really. I mean, not like inspired by or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like, I listen to music when I do that. Sure. Generally. Uh, but no, I, I think I I think I like doing it because it's so different or so separate, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, my whole day, every day is like immersed in music and I love music. I really do. But sometimes I hate it yep. and it's, you know, or it doesn't make sense or, you know, I suck at this and that. And so it's like, it's a really nice thing to just, you know, put the music away and uh just you know mess around with my eyeballs um especially since you know it's like at the beginning of your when you're practicing something or whatever uh a new thing you, you see the progress go way faster right. and i think that's kind of why i like yeah. doing this stuff it's like oh wow i'm way better than i was like last week and like i remember how to control this one thing it gets harder and harder to improve yeah. the longer you're at something yeah and you know it's like i'm i'm sure i guess i'm also not like taking it as seriously in right. in the way it like defines Probably me or whatever why i have such a ridiculous addiction to starting new instruments because right um for similar reasons yeah what totally you just buy again a flute? Oh, uh, flute's easy though. If I have a flute, yeah, it is easy. It's oh super yeah. Easy. Um, I don't know. I'm borrowing a friend's saxophone. Trumpet, mm-hmm. saxophone. Yeah, accordion. I, I tell people I own these instruments. Cajon. I don't really claim to play. No, the cajon's gone. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> okay, yeah, drums didn't work out apparently. Yeah. I got rid of my bass too. So. Mm. Oh. Did you make room for a B three organ? Or? <laughs> no. I still think about it every couple 
months. <laughs> it's an investment. Sure. It'll definitely uh, recoup its financial uh-huh. costs. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you got to sell it to some mm. poor schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely how um, musical That's instruments The only work. way you can flip a B3 organ. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, and for all you listeners out there, um, look us up on Facebook, Jazz Talk Seattle. We're available to listen anywhere you usually get your podcasts. podcasts. And be sure to check out um, Abby Blackwell's senior recital coming up on... June 8th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Chapel Performance Space. Uh, yeah, Chapel Performance Space at the Good Shepherd Center. Yeah, that was correct. No, In Wallingford. Ordered. In Wallingford. Thank you so much. Wallingford, Seattle, Washington. Awesome. Well, thanks so much <laughs> for joining us.